Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So, we had the play-in games uh, earlier tonight, and I'm going to approach those two in two different ways. Uh, But I'm going to talk about both. More briefly, when it comes to Charlotte and Indiana. I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was still with ESPN, as was Ryan Rossillo as a radio host. I believe he's with The Ringer now doing podcasts. Not exactly sure, but I think that's right. Anyway, I'm going to guess it was about 2011, LeBron's first year in Miami. And I don't, I was on Ryan's radio show, and I don't know how exactly he phrased the question, but I said or referred to LeBron as a nice glue guy, a great glue guy, maybe the best glue guy ever. I've always wished I'd gone with the double entendre and called him a super glue guy. In any case, Ryan, sounding offended, said, A a glue guy? Come on. A glue guy? How can you call the greatest player in the world a glue guy? I let the greatest player in the world comment go because, well, I knew how rampant that opinion was in Bristol. And you had a lot of people, Rosello being one, who thought it was blasphemy to think anything else. He thought I was insulting LeBron, and I genuinely wasn't. One of LeBron's best attributes, in my mind, is his ability to take a bunch of different parts and be the connective tissue that holds them together, as I subsequently explained uh, to Ryan, but didn't really compute for him. He had it in his head that a glue guy is a scrub off the bench waving a towel. 
Anyway, it's one of those comments that over time has been separated from the conversation and the explanation of what I meant and left to live on as simply Buker called LeBron a glue guy. Again, I'd be happier about it living on if it was Buker called LeBron a super glue guy. Hell, it might have inspired an endorsement deal for LeBron, but so be it. Anyway, I'm about to do it again by calling Russell Westbrook an energy guy. I'm guessing this is not going to have quite the same impact because the feelings are already mixed about Russ. And we can make it an ultra energy guy if you want, but I've come to realize that's what he is. And maybe that explains why we're so torn about how to recognize how he's special and yet also take into account that whatever he is as special isn't producing particularly special results beyond statistics, beyond the triple-double records. And we could maybe call him the greatest energy guy ever, but he's an energy guy nonetheless. It's why he both frustrates and impresses us. You can't argue with how much energy energy he expends every single game. It is, in a, in a day and age where we have load management and guys clearly gauging how much energy they're going to give at any given time and are not playing uh, particularly hard defense, uh, you can't argue with what Russ does. And, and if he was simply the point guard version of, say, Montrez Harrell, meaning paid that way and with the same modest acclaim, we'd have nothing but love for Russ. But that's not who he is. We expect more than energy from a nine-time All-NBA selection, a nine-time All-Star, a league MVP who went to the NBA Finals his fourth year in the league and is making more than $40 million this year on a contract that has two more years on it if he exercises the player option, with that last year being worth $47 million, which I suspect he will. When you assess the arc of his career, it would appear he peaked about five years ago. He was on the verge of doing the triple-double thing, but not to the level that he is now. Uh, Five years ago, right around his last year with KD and then his first in OKC alone, which is when he averaged the triple-double for a season for the first time. As of right now, his offensive and defensive ratings are back to what they were at the start of his career when he was just figuring out the NBA. And that's what is so alarming because he's at the point in his career where basketball IQ should start compensating for whatever athleticism may be slipping away. And we're starting to see signs of that. Yet, he does not appear to be any smarter of a player today than he was 10 years ago. A perfect example from the game against the Celtics earlier tonight. The 8.52 mark of the second quarter, if you want to go back and check it, if you recorded it. Um, By the way, Celtics win 
secure the seventh seed, now have a matchup with the second-seeded Nets. We'll get to that eventually. Anyway, at this point in the game, Westbrook is on a fast break with Davies Bertans on the right side of the court. Evan Fournier back on him. And semi Ogile is between Russell and the basket on the left side. And Russell gets about midway down the free throw lane line outside of the paint when he thinks about passing the ball to Bertans and nearly double dribbles when he then sees Fournier. He's dribbling it with his right hand, and I believe his left hand actually did come up and graze the ball, although the refs didn't call it. Then again, they didn't have to because Russ then elected to simply drive into Ojale, who took the easy charge. That's Russ. It's always, to some extent, been Russ. Spur of the moment decisions. Very little calculation. I mean, considering he he got the pass and he had the ball and had the opportunity to survey the floor and see what was in front of him. Oh, well outside the three-point arc. And yet, he was making last-second decisions. I'm going to go to Bertans. Oh, no, now I'm not. I got no choice but to just try to elevate over Ojale. And it's what makes him so hard to play with. Because you have to anticipate what he's going to do. And in many cases, he doesn't even know until the last second. And his tendency is, when the pressure goes up, he tries to play faster. The better players in the league, when the pressure goes up, they slow it down in order to allow them to make decisions. That's not the way Russ does things. And (laughs) even if he makes a decision... It's always subject to change, as he did here. I'm going to Bertans. No, I'm not. Oh, uh, what do I do now? So, well, when, when all else fails, he turns on the Jets and hopes to simply speed past whatever is in his way. Only now, at 32, and a couple knee surgeries behind him, he's blasting into whatever is in his way rather than around or past it. Kemba Walker drew an offensive charge on Russ in the third quarter pretty much the same way. He just anticipated where he was going, got there. Russ didn't know what else to do. Thought he could get away with just bowling Kemba over. Didn't work. Now, some energy guys contribute in ways that don't show up in the box score. At least not theirs. That's not Russell. One of the reasons Kemba Walker finished with 29 points and a plus 17 and plus minus is that Russell did, from the very beginning, a lackluster job staying with him around screens. He was either going under, or he was getting hung up on it, or he was trailing so far behind that Kemba could get to wherever he wanted. It took him about a quarter and a half to realize that he was going to have open threes. And so the first half ended with Westbrook not even attempting to get out on Walker, acting as if he expected Bertans to switch out on him, leaving Walker to drain a three completely open. So we have Pacers Wizards now on Thursday for the eighth seed to play the 76ers. 
Don't be surprised if Pacers point guard Malcolm Brogdon does the same thing to Russ Thursday night when the the Pacers face the Wizards in D.C. Brogdon is as much the opposite of Westbrook as you could find in the league. Cerebral as they come, not the least bit flashy, not a lot of athleticism to spare, but a technician when it comes to taking advantage of angles and deciphering a defense. He only played 21 minutes against the Hornets because he was just back from a hamstring injury, (laughs) but collected 16 points and 8 assists in that time with only 2 turnovers and he only needed 10 shots, knocking down 3 of 5 from 3-point range. What bothers me is that there are former players out there, Dwayne Wade and Kendrick Perkins come to mind, that have complained that Westbrook is not being fully appreciated for how he's playing. And those former players have to be capable of seeing what I'm seeing. Maybe you're seeing it too. Yes, Russ is right when he says he does things no one else does. Late in the fourth quarter, Celtics are comfortably ahead. He attacked Romeo Langford, and Tristan Thompson came over to help, help. Russell elevated as only Russell can, whipped a pass to Daniel Gafford, who Thompson had left. And Westbrook's momentum carried him away from the basket, yet when Gafford missed the chippy, Westbrook elevated again in a flash and tipped in the miss. It was just a spectacular athletic accomplishment. So I I recognize that he does special things. There are some really unique things about Westbrook. And I wouldn't expect Perk and D-Wade to poke a hole in his triple doubles, but I also would expect them to see them for what they are. The result of a wildly athletic guard playing hard, but not necessarily smart. Marv Albert and Grant Hill, the game announcers, could only speculate as to why Russ went to the locker room unaccompanied well before the game was over, suggesting he was ill or injured because, as Marv said, he simply wasn't himself in the game. Now, the problem is he was himself, every bit himself. And I like to think of Russ having leadership qualities because he does work hard and does demand that of his teammates. But leaving for the locker room and being unattended, I assume normally if you're injured, you're going with a trainer. That wasn't the case. He went back there by himself. That's not a good look. I don't care how much you struggle. It left Ish Smith was the guy in the in the huddle trying to get guys going. I would expect that of Russ. Bradley Beal doesn't have that personality to be that guy. Russ does have that personality. And the fact that he was seemingly preoccupied with his own struggles is not leadership. Now, as I mentioned, the first play-in game saw the Pacers smack the Charlotte Hornets 144-117. to Score was 69-45 at the half. And this was without Karis LeVert because he was in COVID protocol. Now, who won is not a shock. It's just the margin of victory and the amount of points the Pacers put up. 
And this is something I've always wondered about. What with Michael Jordan, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, and his infamous competitive drive and desire to be the best. How does he tolerate such performances? How does he stomach that this assures the Hornets will miss the real postseason a fifth consecutive season? And in the last 17 years, they've made the playoffs three times and never made it out of the first round. How does the great Michael Jordan stand for being the owner of a team that demonstrates such routine mediocrity? And I had somebody explain it to me. The answer is, his field of competition has changed. He's no longer competing to collect wins or championships. He did that as a player. Now he's looking to collect dollars. His new arena is all about climbing the ladder of wealth. And the Hornets don't have to win for him to do that. He just has to make sure they stay below the cap to have the franchise add to his personal wealth. That is why a Lamella Ball is a nice addition. A face and a name and a flashy game that will sell tickets and merchandise. But I assure you, Jordan will only pay to keep the presumptive rookie of the year when it's time if it makes sense, financial sense. Any dreams of Ball leading the Hornets to a championship should be kept on the down low. An owner like Mark Lazary can burn some money in Milwaukee chasing a championship because there's another $20 billion where that came from. Jordan's pockets aren't nearly that deep, although he's made some very nice strides in the last few years. The rising valuation of the Hornets franchise certainly hasn't hurt. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Again, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate those of you who have already done so. And again, I am at the advice of one listener. Uh, I'm happy to take suggestions on what you'd like for subjects since we are doing this Monday through Friday now. Uh, simply hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or at buchernandfriends at gmail.com. Got the Lakers and the Warriors coming up, and I'm sure however that goes, it will provide some juicy material for the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.